Craft Beer Radio, episode 266, on October 19, 2013. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where we just got back from the greatest American beer fest, the Great American Beer Fest. And we are doing a couple of IPAs and... Well, I like the title stout. you suggested, IPA versus Stout. Uh, my my suggestion for title of the show is uh, The Darkness and the Light. Oh, okay. But you can... Yeah, no, we'll see if that goes through. All right. Uh, how do we pick? Roll some dice? Well, I mean, here's the question. Do we want to go... IPAs, stouts? Do you want to go stouts, IPAs, or do you want to go IPA, stout, IPA, stout? I want to introduce some random chance into this one. Um, okay, well, I have my 20-sided die. Alright, we're going to put this one up to random chance. we got a little yellow dice here. And we are 19, so we get the last one. Alright. Thomas Creek. Up the Creek. Extreme IPA! So, Thomas Creek. This is uh, a new brewery for us. Let me figure out exactly where they are, because I actually just have the information and not <laughs> where they're from. Uh, I have over 21, Thomas Creek. Yeah. Where are you? Well, I will look at the bottle here in one second. 864. Any, you have any idea what that... Uh... They are in Greenville, South Carolina. Okay, Greenville, South Carolina. Now I can tell you about the beer itself. So it's mashed in low temperature to increase the amount of fermentable sugars while reducing residual sweetness. It is malted with two-row pale caramel 20, special B, and caramel 120 malt. It's hopped with Warrior Nugget Amarillo and Willamette. 12.5% alcohol by volume. Holy moly. I use 143. You can taste maybe 90 if you're lucky. Uh, Original gravity, 26.8 degrees Play-Doh. So, yeah, 12.5%, 143 IBUs. Now, granted, you can't taste all that bitterness, but what you can do is tell that the amount of vegetal matter that goes into the beer gives other nuances. Yes. So that kind of infer- that gives a- people information that, oh, it's ridiculously hopped. The beer pours so much darker than you would ever expect. Yes. It looks like a brown ale or a dark Irish red. I mean, it pours this brown color with just a little bit of... Um, red color? highlights. What color yeah. would I call Ruby it? Ruby highlights. It's not really ruby. It's it is if you if you look at the way like at the very bottom, like cherry wood highlights. It has cherry right. wood color. I'll give it. I'll give you that much. And the aroma, you're getting a big mix of of the maltiness, the the yeah. big malt backbone to get it all the way up to twelve and a half percent. And you're getting some hops too, but really, it has a barley wine type aroma to it. Um, I would agree because it's so so malty, so strong. Hmm, I, I just got something there that it's kind of I mean it's vaguely cinnamon roll like. Okay. I mean for the hops I'm getting grapefruit, but it it's it's this very malty mixed in with the grapefruit, so it's not straight citrus or anything like that, but grapefruit's really the first thing I smelled. I'm trying to there's a lots of really interesting aromas going on here. I'm trying to pin down a, a good way to describe it. Excuse everybody. Next time we decide to roll dice, let's make sure none of the beers are twelve and a half percent. I had no idea. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what dice are for, right? <laughs> I had no idea we were get pulling in such a big boy. 
There's a little bit of warming in the nose. You know, it's not quite boozy. It doesn't smell like vodka or anything. But the nose, you know, up in your sinuses, it feels warm and tingly. So the booze is kind of coming off of it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the aroma still smells kind of pastry-like in terms mm-hmm. of the malt. You notice we've been smelling this thing for probably about two minutes now. So there's a lot going on in the aroma. And it, it, it's, it's it, it, you know. Especially 12.5, I think, you know, it's important to warm this up a bit, too. Yeah, I think you're so, right. So you know, this really just came out of the fridge a couple minutes ago. So well, I'm going to, I'm not positive without tasting it that it needs to warm up. So I'm going to go into a sip All before right. I put too much heat into it. Because I could imagine where a cooler temperature might suit a beer like this. So let's see. Okay, so big malt backbone carries it throughout. There's a lot of a lot of hops, a lot of bitterness, um, chocolate oranges, cocoa, um, caramel. It reminds me of um, some other beers we've had. Uh, it's a touch of 120, like Dogfish 120. Right. Just touch that, but not as boozy. Um. Other big barley wines. It's not quite Bigfoot type character, but I've had other barley wines where, you know, this. It's an interesting mix. It's kind of a. <laughs> yeah. It is more IPA than an American barley wine, but it has a lot of American barley wine heritage to it, wouldn't you say? I might. I might even say that it's, you know, a barley wine disguised as an IPA. It, it, it has. With that much sugar in it, with that much mm-hmm. alcohol, and with this much sweetness in it, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. throwing a lot of hops at it, sure. But is it is it that much different than Bigfoot? I don't know if I can say it is in terms of what you're getting out of it. I mean, it's, it's different flavor, certainly. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it's not like you know, it, it's not like a ketchup version of of Bigfoot. But I'm just saying that in terms of of the quality of the beer you're getting, in terms in terms of the, uh, the the overall feeling of the beer is very much like a barley wine. It has, a, like Jeff said, a lot mm-hmm. of sweetness. The reason I bring up Bigfoot is it's a particularly hoppy barley right. wine. Yeah, that's the reason I mentioned yeah. it as well. Because, you know, I, I was talking with um, Bill Manley, Sierra Nevada, last week. And, you know, I, he he kind of agreed with me. I'm like, you know, fresh Bigfoot, not my thing. Three years on it. It gets gets going, and it, he mentioned, yeah, he he prefers. I don't put words into his mouth, but uh, I gathered that he prefers it with a few years on it as mm-hmm. well. You know, so I mean, I'm sure some people like brand new, fresh, really green Bigfoot, but for me, I need some a little more age. I needed the hops to tone down a little bit and really come into its own. But, you know what? It's been so long since I've had arrogant bastard. Now the hopping is very different, but I'm wondering if it seems kind of remind. It kind of pulls me back to Arrogant Bastard a little bit. Well, Arrogant Bastard is only running about eight percent, right? And it's mm-hmm. it's got a lot deeper bitterness. It's very aggressive mm-hmm. in its bitterness. This is actually much more aggressive in its maltiness mm-hmm. because what it's really doing is it, it, they're throwing a lot of hops at you. But interestingly enough, and remember the hops I, I mentioned: uh, Warrior Nugget, Amarillo, Willamette. While these are these are heavy hops, they're not particularly um, super astringent hops. They're not they're not hops that give you a whole bunch of uh, 
alpha acid, maybe amarillo a little bit. That you know that can give us sometimes if if it's overused, that can give us some of that. Uh, um, what do we call it? Biological odors mm-hmm. and things like that, but it's not doing that because there's a heck of a lot of malt in here. Uh, caramel twenty, special B caramel one twenty, lots of malt to to override that. It's a big beer to start off the show with. You want to pause and get another glass and set this one aside? No, I'm okay. You want to go? Okay. Yeah. I just was worried about really ruining a palate <laughs> for the show. I uh, poured a little bit of my uh, beer back into the bottle, just so I wouldn't. But I only got about an ounce and a half in there, yeah. so not too much. But again, we're splitting a 12-ounce bottle. I mean, so. we're doing IPAs and Imperial Stout, so I don't expect it. To, it's not like we're doing Kolsch's also. So I, I think these are all going to be, mm-hmm. you know, pretty pretty strong on the palate. So I'm not that worried about okay. it. We'll see if, if that, you know, if, if that's a bad assumption to make. I was more, more worried about the 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 booziness wrecking the palate than the uh, or the alcohol not the booziness but the alcohol consumption wrecking my right to the sober the sobriety the sobriety of my palate versus the you know just kind of carpet bombing the palate. Well, we'll we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> the, the dice might turn into a really interesting show. Dice never make for a great show, apparently. Well, no, the the the, the dice decided our fate, and mm-hmm. we will go by what the dice says. So, let's talk a little bit while we're waiting for this to warm up and, and giving ourselves some time with it. Let's talk a little bit about where we just were, which was in Denver for the Great American Beer Fest. Yeah, this is my third time, Greg's second time mm-hmm. out to the GABF, and um, I don't. I mean, other than the shock and awe of the first time, you know, this we did it well. We you know had a good time, covered a lot, mm-hmm. um, saw some good things, tasted some good things, and. Uh, had a generally really good time again, and I got to stretch this stress this because you know it feels this was the first time I was there. How long ago was that? It was uh, four years ago or something like that. Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. It's even longer. Well, yeah, no, four years. Four years ago. <laughs> Alcohol already taking its toll. I didn't mean to contradict your, mm. two, your four years ago. I just knew it was 2009. I had not yet done the math. Um, there was a little bit of trepidation about going out there and not being so sure that uh, I belonged out there. Mm-hmm. And this time, I definitely felt like I belonged. So there was no... Um, there was no apprehension about going up to brewers or, or people and discussing things with them. Mm-hmm. So I felt a lot more free to go around and do what I wanted. Now I didn't. It's also a lot easier to do interviews from the back side of the table than the yes, front side. Yes, as as we learn, having these uh, what we call douchebag tags, which our, were, our media pass, our media passes, allowed us to really bypass a lot of the crowd and to get some uh, some samples of things that we necessarily wouldn't necessarily have been able to get without standing in line for a long time. Jeff really, mm-hmm. you know, showed me how to use them in the second session. I didn't get a really handle on it until the second session. Right. I really, really abused it in the third session. But um, <laughs> abuse isn't the right word. Took advantage of. Yes, I definitely took advantage of it. And I got. I think. I think I got some good interviews. And what I did mostly because we weren't sure really had what angle we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my angle was all right. I'm going to treat it like uh, the craft beer radio show where I'm going to run around. There were 600 something breweries and thousands of beers. I'm 3,100 beers. 3,100 beers. I'm going to run around and find things that I see 
interesting or whatever, maybe not interesting, but but just randomly pick and drink one beer and do a review. Now, we have, a, I don't know, about 70 of these. Mm-hmm. We're going to pare these down, figure out which ones I can just talk to you about, mm-hmm. and also give you some audio from the floor. You may have heard on our on our feed one of them. Yeah, we put up the No Lee one. Yeah. And uh, I was planning on putting up a few more, but the weekend just got real busy. Yeah. And uh, this past week, I, I'm busy at work. We're doing a uh, office move, which I've been heading up for the last six months. And uh, that's next week. So I haven't had any time to work on GABF stuff either. Um, I took a different tact with all the interviews I did uh, on the floor and at the weekend. Uh, I was looking for brewers to talk to and just doing what I've done before. Mm-hmm. Just talking about the beers, talking about the brewers. Uh, for me personally, I didn't want to sit there and try to do the kind of analysis we do on the show. It just... It, it just didn't suit me. I'm not making any commentary on. No, it, it on was what hard. Did, it so. was hard to do it in in the context of the Great American Beer Fest for mm-hmm. for a couple of reasons. One reason was because they don't give you much. You know, they give you an ounce. Um, once you got behind, it was a little bit easier because you get a little bit more in your, in your glass. But also, those glasses weren't good for coalescing aroma yeah. and getting mm-hmm. the kind of flavor. And the other reason was, I mean, it's just such a hectic environment. It's hard to sort of get those things mm-hmm. across and get some time to yourself to just sort of give yourself those tastes mm-hmm. and without and the other th- reason was without Jeff to bounce off for most of the time mm-hmm. I was just kind of exploring my own right. area yeah I mean, it, it was tough and I, I just thought that it was too tough I didn't want to try to tackle it and um you know, for the first two sessions I found lots of people to talk to lots of brewers got some uh I would say about 20 or so good interviews, which we're going to have to try to figure out, you know, work those in. Probably not all going to be singles. Mm-hmm. Probably going to make those multiple, you know, yeah. probably about 20, 30-minute pieces, you know, put out those interviews. I got a few in the last session, like Empire Brewing and Three Floyds, and I got some people talking about those. But uh, Trends. Do you see any big trends, anything that stood a out? A lot of Berliner Vices on the floor. I was going to mention there's two main trends, you know, session IPAs. Huge trend. Everyone's doing them. It's great. It's great. Figure out how to make lots of flavor into a small package. You know, different top characters, things. I'm a big fan of the special of the uh, session IPAs. And then the next thing I was going to say was Blinner Vices. There were dozens and dozens mm-hmm. of Blinner Vices on the floor. A lot of them good. But there's this sub-trend in Blinner Vice, which I don't get, which I'm going to bitch about right now. Good. And I had several Blinner Vices, probably about four out of ten or the ten or twelve, maybe fifteen that I've had that I had that had um, this weird multi character, like they added Vienna malt to it hmm. or Munich or something. That's interesting. And for me, it just doesn't work. May I this, noticed a few this that bread crusty Berliner Weiss, you know, like tastes like white bread crust in your Berliner Weiss. It just yeah, that doesn't done didn't work at all. And you know, so if this trend picks up, you're going to hear me bitching more and more about it because it's it's. I can I can see where people want to take away some of the wheat tang and Pilsner malt and want to give it a little more um, comfort, you know, with the but. It's, no, no, that's not how you do it. That doesn't work. I noticed some that weren't as full-bodied as others. It didn't mm-hmm. were more aqueous. It just sort of didn't give you the feeling that you wanted out of a brilliant advice. Right. But, you know, with so many on the floor, there were lots to choose from. There was one that really stood out. And I'm, I'm conflicted on how I want to talk about this because I don't think it's the archetype. I don't think it would win gold medals, gold medals, gold medals. But I found it fascinating. It was wood for wood for out of Sebastopol, California. 
and they do a three-day kettle souring on this um, on this blender vice, and they were serving it with raspberry syrup by default. Mm. So you had to ask them to get it without the syrup. So I, I taste it without the syrup first. The thing smelled and tasted like Limburger cheese. Hmm. It was the stinkiest Berliner Weiss that I've ever had. And I found it fascinating. And I like Limburger cheese, right? I'm not going to say this was gold medal winning Berliner Weiss. But for me, I found it fascinating. And then you try it with just a little dose of syrup. And it's completely balanced. You don't taste any of that funk mm-hmm. and grossness and that acidity. It just goes away. They would have liked to have served it with the Woodruff syrup. But... They bought the syrup in Denver, and they weren't able to find Woodruff before mm. the fest. So, now do you think Berliner Weisses are coming around because it's an easy way to make a sour yeah, beer exactly. without introducing other yeah, microbes? It, I mean, doing doing sour mashes and kettle souring and stuff—it's it exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. It's it sours are big things, and it's an easy way to do sours. It's not a shortcut way to do sours. I mean, Berliner Weisses are wonderful. You know, I would take a world-class Berliner Weiss up against a world-class Flanders. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know which one would win. You know, it really would depend on the showdown. So it's not like it's a shortcut to making sour beers. It's a way to make sour beers. It's definitely easier for most breweries. Mm-hmm. And that's probably part of the reason. And then, yeah, if you put them up there with syrup or with some fruit in summertime, it's also it's a hell of a drinking beer, you yeah. know? It's low alcohol, refreshing. There's a lot of good things going on with Blender Vices, but don't put Vienna malt in it. <laughs> Just don't do that. <laughs> All right, so you finished your... Um, the your, Thomas Creek. The, yeah, the Up the Creek. Up the Extreme Creek. IPA! I got a little bit left here. Let me see what I think. I had a nice drink of uh, water with it because it's 12.5%, mm-hmm. so I'm going to... Drown out some of that alcohol. It warmed up a little bit. It's still, it really pulls me back to Dogfish's 120. Mm. It reminds me an awful lot of 120. Not as boozy, but just so many of the characters, the kind of way the milk comes across, this toffee caramel cocoa thing. It reminds me a lot of that. Interesting about 120, we had, uh, we were at the Pints of Prostates and they, and Sam was there with his 120 that was only two years old. And I asked him, you know, we have older than 120, older than that, in, in Jeff Seller. What's the what's the significance of the 20, uh, it was 2011, 120 as opposed to other ones? And he said that he just felt that two years was the sweet spot on 120. Hmm. Yeah, we got some uh, 2004 mm-hmm. in the fridge. I mean, in the cellar. And it was really... Right around the time I started, we started the podcast in 2005. So maybe 2000, 2003 is when I started collecting some beers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the Dogfish label, it says drink now or put in the cellar for a decade or so. Yeah. So I just like, you know, after about six years, I'm like, you know what? We're going to hold on to that one. We're going to drink that one right beside a brand new one at 10 years old and just see what happens. So it should be interesting. That's my- it, it was interesting to see that Dogfish had running that one as opposed to all the other a lot of the other places gave out much more interesting or, or, or harder to find beers in, in this rare well the dogfish time. one was not just one it was randled too it I mean, was randled with like black 
black um they had black garlic, black garlic. Too, but it wasn't it wasn't wasn't in the randall was it was it? in the randall it was in the randall okay yeah i mean they were doing funky shit with it yeah so there was there was hops i can't remember which hop in the randall and then they had black garlic in there and yeah so and i told sam later that the, the there was another uh brewery um they they won a medal i'm trying to remember who it was wicked something oh uh, yeah w- um they're out of Asheville. Wicked, uh, I can't remember. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> but they were pouring something that tasted, you know, it, it was sour and sweet and dark, just like, it was. It almost tasted exactly like the black garlic. Like, it was oh, okay. amazing. Okay. So I, I went back and I was like, you have to try that. It's just like your black garlic. Okay. So, which yeah. is very good. Their black garlic is very what good. What was the name of that brewery? But they had, they had a pretty good sour there. Yeah. They, yeah, they won the medal. So what do we have here? This is Night of the Living Stout. Dun, dun, dun. Full Pint Brewing Company. And uh, they're officially in... North for Sales. North for Sales, yes. Uh, so this is the Night of the Living Stout. Oh, I know what you're saying. It should be North for Sight. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I mean... North that, Pittsburgh and that. North for Sales. It, it should be Notre Dame. From the depths of the full pint fermenters comes a spine-tingling stout that will have beer nerds returning from their graves. (laughs) What? That's what it says. (laughs) Oh, actually, so I stopped reading, and then it actually gets into the stuff we normally do read. Cascade, uh, roasted malts, 7% alcohol by volume, 110 IBUs, original gravity 16.5. You did really good at pursing out the marketing speak from that sentence. (laughs) <laughs> it was telling us what the Cascades gave us and, you know, this thing about unrelenting great taste. And he just kind of skipped right over it. I, hey, it's 266 yeah. episodes. I yeah. think of- 110 IBU, 7% Cascades. Pilsner malt is the base malt on this one. So that's a little bit interesting. A little fun fact for you. Hmm. So we, we did end up going with stout. No, we did IPA stout and we'll see. Yeah. How the, how the dice <laughs> how the dice decide. so Night of the Living Style people might not know that the Night of the Living Dead was originally filmed here in Pittsburgh north of Pittsburgh yes so and um, so that's this is an homage to uh, the local film on the aroma you Malty do get and toasty and I was a little bit of French toast. Okay. I would say I, I noticed the hops. I mean, oh, that there's oh. a fair amount of hop coming out of the stout as well. It's not just roasty. You know, there's a fair amount of... Yeah, I think I'm sort of tuned in. My my, my tuner is tuned in towards malt, so... It's funny. My second sniff was kind of Greg's first sniff, where it's it's all the malty, toasty, roasty bits. I didn't get the hops in the second sniff. And the third sniff's kind of a blend between the two, so... I'm jumping in. Obviously, pitch black, holding it up to the light. There are no highlights coming through this glass yeah. at all. Yeah. It almost looks like they, like, did you add lactose to this? Because, I mean, there's nothing coming through this beer. It's super dark. It's got a sweet, nice aroma. It's, it, it's a little bit like um, a... a <laughs> this is going to sound awful, but it's not meant to be awful, but it's sort of like a high high fructose corn syrup version of maple syrup. So you don't get the, the, the mm. maple stuff out of it. You just get sort of a sweetness and and kind of a little tight, slight uh, alluring quality. Okay. First sip, crazy hoppy. You get a little bit of char, like, um, you know, like grilled char, mm. but then you get this 
cascade thing that's coming through, but it's it's so turned by the the roasty char it it it, it doesn't taste like cascade. It, no, it, it develops a kind of astringent character, mm-hmm. it, and it it. Ooh, that, that's, that's it. It's almost like it's opening up your tongue so the the, the roasty astringency can kind of soak in. And yeah. it really, it sets in behind it and really digs in deep. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's kind of like it's kind of like if you were to take charcoal and sort of mix it with water. It, it, <laughs> you get that real deep astringency with it, and and that's definitely a quality. Of the hops but it's almost like it. it's almost like the the hops are kind of acting as a solvent, so the astringency yeah. digs in even deeper. You know, yeah, or or as you know, a, a salty sort of compound to sort of enhance those those astringent flavors. Yeah, we talked a little bit about pints for prostates. I'm going to let this beer warm up a little more. Let's go back to the Denver bit. Okay. Gary Frank, our benefactor. Yes. A super. Benefactor. He's no longer a super fan or mega fan or uber fan. He is ben- the benefactor. He uh, he uh, picked up a couple tickets for the rare beer tasting, pints for prostates, and uh, we met him there. Had a great time. And... Uh, it's a heck of a festival. It was a lot of. I mean, it was a lot bigger than we went a couple of years ago. Yes. back in two thousand nine, uh, it wasn't. There was a crowd, but it wasn't too crowded. You could get where you wanted to go, and it was like Savor, where there yes. was all the brewers or owners were there. You could talk to every, just about every table, and um, I got a lot of good content talking to people at the Savor. Or at Plains for Prostates. Mini Saver. Mini Saver. <laughs> and, uh, but it was long. It was three hours. You had plenty yeah, of time. Yeah. And I probably stopped at almost every table. I might have skipped two or three, but I had time to go to every table, take my time, taste things. It, the time, the volume, the people, it all worked out. And there was food there, too. There was yeah. some barbecue. Mm-hmm. And- the Pines for Prostate was great. There, there, were, there were problems with the day because the very first thing we went to was a Sam Adams long shot thing. And just stayed there for longer night because I had to run back. I screwed up. I, and no, don't worry about that. Okay. I, I had to run back in the tickets, but that's okay. But then we went to uh, the Sam Adams thing where we talked about their, their new IPA. Rebel IPA. Rebel IPA. And then we went to Pines for Prostate. So Pines for Prostate was all big, was all big beers. And then we went to the Great American Beer Fest. So the se- the second session of the Great American Beer Fest, I was just kind of out of it the whole time. It was, <laughs> it was I had so much alcohol in me. I took it a lot slower at pints, so mm-hmm. I managed the day a lot better. Yeah. But yeah, Greg, Greg was, you know, every. But I also have my days where I mess up. Yeah, I have my days where uh, I talking with people and I'm like oh Jeff stop being such an asshole you know and so I have my days where I don't manage my alcohol is fine and Saturday yeah. was one of those days for yeah me. no it was like you know I got I think really interesting stuff on, on Friday, Friday I got really good stuff on Sunday or Saturday Fr- Wait. It was Friday. It was Pints. Friday, yeah, Friday. Friday was just a kind of a lost day at the end. Mm-hmm. I think we had some good stuff with the Sam Adams about their new IPA, about Rebel. But then, you know, after Pints, it was just kind of like, it's all kind of a haze. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember it, but I don't remember it all that well. <laughs> um, frankly, you know, I the, the very last hour... I spent in the press room drinking water because I knew I had to drive home. So I was just sobering up at that mm-hmm. point. So, you know, and that, and that was very helpful. But yeah, then I, we I went, missed- to that, went to that Bonnie place, right? The, the, we went to find a food truck afterwards. And yes. Went to that Bonnie place. Yes, we did. Um, 
Yeah. So that was yeah, that, that that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, it, you have to caution yourself mm-hmm. and 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 realize, like I did at a certain point. Okay, I I'm driving. I have to. I have to get sober. I simply can't drink anymore. Right. So. All right. So Night of the Living Stout from Full Pint Brewing has warmed up a little bit. Let's yeah. see what we think now. Roma's much the same. It's, it's the, the the taste is kind of growing on me. The first the first thing I tasted was you know that huge astringency, but mm-hmm. now I get uh, you know sort of that charcoaly stuff and, and a lot of roasty notes. But uh, it seems slightly more. The hop seems slightly more complementary. Mm-hmm. But there's still I mean there's still a little bit of astringency coming. It's still through. a very hoppy stout, yeah. but it's not as bracing as for yeah. we've calibrated, and it, it's more drinkable. But yeah, it's still even now it's a very hoppy stout. I've actually had the barrel aged version of this, and that was wonderful. Mm. I can imagine because that well, might smooth actually, things out a little bit and we, add a little bit. We did the barrel aged version of this on the show, and it was spoiled. Oh, and then I had it on draft, and it was wonderful. Okay, so mm. uh, you know, me personally, not a huge fan of uber hoppy stouts, you know, things like that. I would prefer something with a little more balance to it, but it's fine. It's a fine drinker. It's just not, you know, if I was ranking this beside many other stouts or, well, we had Edmund Fitzgerald in the pre-show, right? And and that one, you know, that that kicks us out. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, but I'm kind of thinking like, how would you do that? Maybe, you know, if you imagine a a really, a, a dark chocolate cake mixed with, uh, a kind of grapefruit or tangerine sauce poured mm-hmm. over it, then you kind of get an idea of what's going on here. There is right. there's an interesting contrast, uh, and and that uh, that tartness slash citrusy note that you would get from citrus and tangerine is mixing with the chocolate in a different way. So it it's presenting it mm-hmm. to your tongue strongly. It takes some getting used to, but I don't think it's bad. It just it takes getting used to. Okay, dice time again. Number one, I guess we drink the one on the left. All right, so we are here with the Clown Shoes Galactica. Now, you rolled a one, right? Yes. That is what we call in D&D a critical miss. Critical miss? Not if you want to get the beer on the left. Well, I'm just saying, if if you were playing D&D, that'd be very bad. But Well, why do they make dices with ones? They should keep all the ones off. That's the whole point. It, like a twenty is a critical hit, and that's really great. And then a one is really bad. So you have to have. Uh, you can just get a dice with all twenties. Mm, doesn't, doesn't seem like that would be a good idea. You'd win. You lose a little bit of the uh, the whole point. <laughs> yeah, statistics and probability it's overrated. This is Galactica from Clown Shoes there in Massachusetts. They call it American Double, Imperial IPA, 8% alcohol by volume. Don't have much information, unfortunately. Their website does not have this particular brew on there. The label has a superhero kind of like the Green Lantern with a staff with hops at both ends and clown shoes on. Now, I can think of one superhero, not really superhero, but a superhero enemy called Galactus. Mm-hmm. Which is in the Marvel universe, which is the 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 power of the force cosmic. Uh, really, gonna sound nerdy. I don't even read comic books, and I know this. Um, <laughs> but here's what they say on their on the side of their uh, on the side of their label: Galactica, a hop staff wielding heroine, patrols in karate kick mode through the heavens. Her mission: cosmic combat to promote good beer. 
It's kind of like a mix of Galactus and the Silver Surfer, which is Galactus's herald. Yeah. Okay, dry hop with gla- <laughs> galaxy hops, a clean malt backbone, and uh, like we said, 8% alcohol by volume. Clown Shoes Galactica IPA. The I figured there was gla- galaxy hops in here because of the name, and everything else was much construed. Mm. Uh, the aroma on this one. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Yeah. It, it's a dank hop. Let's let's word it up a little bit here. Let's work on that vocabulary. Okay, now I I did this in the in the GABF stuff, so I don't know who's actually going to be included, but I explained when I'm searching for aromas and flavors what I do. And I've mentioned before how I have a very visual mind. And when I think, I think visually. So when I'm actually searching for aromas, what I see in my mind is the supermarket I'm most familiar with. And right. I see myself walking from place to place mm-hmm. and seeing the different things that are there and seeing and smelling that, the different foods. Right, exactly. You know, I liked that story when you told it, you know, last week. And so I knew where you were going. So I just did that thing. And I would say different things now because I have a wider vocabulary than our normal standard beer vocabulary. Like I'm smelling this and I'm thinking broccoli, asparagus, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not perfect descriptors, but they're they're parts of it. If I'm trying to equate the hop aroma to the produce aisle, I'm going with broccoli and asparagus on this one. Now, let me take that back to our normal vocabulary and try to tie weave those things in. It's very dank. It's um it's almost slightly cheesy. Yes. There you go. That's good. What kind of cheese? Sort of a monster. Maybe monster. I was thinking like bloomy rind, like just the rind, like smelling the rind type thing. Yeah, sure. Sure. I can see that. Hmm. Okay. Let's see if there's other, like, okay, so is there citrus or anything like that? I thought I smelled some grapefruit early on, but... Yes, there is citrus. Which of the citruses, though? Um, <laughs> I, nothing immediately recognizable. There's mm-hmm. nothing that you can just pick out and say, oh, it's this. It's a combination of different things. So there is some grapefruit. There so, is some orange. Brussels sprouts come back in. Yeah, so the, so and, and when we say Brussels sprouts, when we say broccoli or those things, I mean essentially that means a sulfury component. A little bit sulfury, you know. In particular, it's the way that I really prefer preparing the Brussels sprouts, where I cut them in half and I kind of pan fry them in olive oil. Yeah. And as as they're cooking, that smell, that caramelization smell of the sugars in the Brussels sprouts and the sulfur, you know, is kind of what I'm smelling here. This is another one you just want to smell and smell because you're like, every time it's like, it opens up a little bit more. There's there's a slight piney note to it, too. There's some vague minty things. I would say approximating basil. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of a little more... It's not a great word to describe it, but it's like a more rustic basil. One that's less, you know, like 
basil's kind of tangential to, to mint, right? Yes. He goes the opposite direction, yeah. a little more earthy basil. Well, in the same way, this sort of capsaicin is yeah. tangential to, to vanillins. They're, yeah. you know, they're, yeah. they're along the same scale. So, I, you know, I think they, they hit the same notes. In, in various degrees, like if 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 a if mint if pure spearmint is like a C mm-hmm. major, then a basil is kind of like you know a C sharp minor seventh. There's <laughs> whatever that yeah. Means. There's just there, there's like you know there's notes of the same thing where there's also other notes that, that combine. Yeah, I just took a sip of this thing and there's a giant malt presence that backs up the hoppiness and the hops don't come across as this dank sulfury stinky thing in the flavor they come across really nice with the malt yeah there's a very bagel kind of like taste isn't it um almost like a cinnamon bagel and so a bagel is 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 a sweet a cinnamon bagel but there's a little bit of chives on there too. yeah yeah the, the, you know it's a it, you know bagels are, are are a bread that like a lot of uh, like donuts and other things they're they're sweetened and uh mm-hmm. and then in the particular case of bagels they're actually boiled before they're cooked so th- it adds some extra stuff to it it adds different ways the gluten can can come about but it gives this sort of sweeter mm-hmm. and then also denser quality What else do you find? I'm looking here. It's it's quite the drinker. So the bitterness isn't too too outrageous. Uh, they also promote on their label an impossible bitterness of. Or was that the last beer? I guess that was the last beer. Yeah. Yeah. The land of living stout said it was well over a hundred. You know, another 110. This one doesn't promote the bitterness on. Now, hey, look at that. They use dank on their description. Dank and luscious, which I've never used <laughs> together ever in my life. Well, I, what I like is is that the aroma is considerably different from, yeah. from the flavor. Yeah, the flavor is not as stinky, right? I mean, yeah. stinky is... I want to be very vague in this because, you know, some people like the flavor, the aromas. Other people find them challenging. I find them interesting. But the flavor is a lot more less challenging. Yes, which is not to say it's not good, or not to say it's not complicated. No, I, it, I think it. I think what it does say is it's well made, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So because it's not challenging, because yeah. you don't really want a challenging beer. Well, I mean, sometimes you do. Sometimes, sometimes, do. sometimes a challenging beer is not gonna is not gonna win the the affection right. that you have, as opposed it, to it all depends on yeah. what you're targeting. If you want to sell a lot of it. Oh, what's that? What is that? What mean? is that sound? That is commercial time. So we uh, just went to GABF. We have a lot of expenses. I owe Greg some money, and uh, I owe Heather some money to cover our expenses. We, you know, all the great donations you guys have been sending in and through the Amazon link have been great, but it didn't quite cover our expenses. We got a few hundred dollars we need to make up for. So now's your chance with the Christmas season coming up. Perfect time. Amazon. Nope, no, no, not Amazon.com. No, I almost no. screwed that up. That doesn't work anymore. No, they turned off the website. It's craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Anything you click, you go there, you'll be redirected right through to Amazon. And anything you buy, we get a percentage of the purchase. It doesn't cost you a penny more. And really, 
who would you rather give your money to than us when you're buying an Amazon anyway? Seriously. Of, you know. uh, there's other ways you can... I can't think of no one in the entire world no more one. deserving. Exactly. Uh, you can also donate us cold, hard cash through PayPal. There's a link on our website to do that. If you're looking for website hosting, we like bluehost.com. There's a link on our website for that. If you're looking for homebrew supplies... Midwest Homebrewing, link on our website. Stop hitting your microphone, Gregory. There's a fly running around. I tried to hit it, but I hit the... Damn, fruit fly. Catch him? No. All right. So back to the beer. Sounds so quiet in here without the music. I know. (laughs) And it sounds like the wind's blowing by or something. That's uh, your your heater, I think. Furnace. Yeah, your furnace. The heater's on? Damn. It's it's forty three degrees out there. It could be, yeah. Oh, and also to just extend the commercial a little bit, we're drinking these out of our Spiegel snifters. Spiegel snifters. We're a huge fan of the Spiegel glasses. Yes, they're ten dollars a glass, and you have to buy two of them on Amazon or craftbeer.com slash Amazon. But really, they are the beer glassware. Um, we. Love funny, a funny thing happened. We went to, like I said, we went to Sam, Sam Adams. We still have that interview that we're going to put up eventually um, about their new Rebel IPA, and they were drinking the Rebel. They were pouring the Rebel IPA in shaker pints, shaker pints, and we said, "While what? we we can appreciate the beer, what if you put it in the Sam Adams Boston Lager glasses because that has a thinner glass and it's got more of the fluted stuff and you can take it has a bowl that captures aroma things yeah. like that they kind of both we're talking to the brewer great brewer Seth yeah. I think his name was mm-hmm. and the marketing person was there they kind of looked at it like what why would you want to do that and it was funny they poured us beers in the same Adam, Sam Adams excuse me Boston Lager glasses and you could actually catch the aroma better I we is it psychological? I don't know. I don't think it is. I understand why Rebel IPA is in a shaker pint with a sure. fancy Rebel IPA silkscreen on it. Absolutely. The marketing department got a hold of it. It's going to be a big launch in mm-hmm. January. Rebel IPA is going to be everywhere. It's a decent beer, and they're promoting it with all this shaker pint glassware. That's fine, and you're not going to be Rebel with hoity-toity. Fancy schmancy glassware. I don't know. I mean, you look. It's not at, rebel. It's not rebel. Well, I mean, it's not punk. What it's is not, the IPA glassware from Spielglau? Who promotes that? That's Sierra Nevada. That's Sierra and Dogfish. And Dogfish. So that's kind of rebellious. But it's not rebel. This is this is <laughs> this is mar- this is down market type marketing, right? Mm-hmm. They're kind of going down market. We still have to talk to Jim about the whole IPA thing. We do well IPA and cans. Yeah, those those two, and you know what they've been doing in the it, recently, which has been frankly awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of their stuff has been f- just incredible, and and their their breadth and their and their reach is makes it even more incredible. Oh, tease our GABF footage a little bit more. I was interviewing one of the guys who won the long shot, mm-hmm. and the interview got sidetracked because Jim came over and started talking to him. And I just kept the recorder going and was holding it there and kind of capturing this up. It, it was like interesting conversation. So it'd be loved. To, I'll, you know, look forward to hearing the, uh, you know, me kind of scooping, you know, just Jim talking with. It was the guy from, um, oh, I don't know if you were you there when they announced. So Sam Adams has this kind of like incubator type thing where they 
pick a small brewery and give them training and like how to run a business type stuff like uh-huh. that. So there was um, Rick Riccoli, Riccoli Brewing out of um, Colorado, and then this Nano Brewery brewing on a homebrew system type mm-hmm. thing. And um, they won. So I was interviewing the guy from Riccoli and Sam. Jim, Riccoli. It was <laughs> actually it was more of a Spicoli from um, mm. what movie was that? That was kind of more of the inspiration. Pastimes. And um, Jim, or, I keep saying Jim. Jim, I got it right that time. Jim came over and uh, started talking to the guy and um, I just recorded the whole thing. It was very fascinating. What are you. Uh, the beer report. Beer report? Yeah. I mean, Sam Cook. Are you Groucho and Chud? What's Sam Cook. On? Sam Cook. We love you, Groucho. Chud, what about so Chud? Sure about. I'm not so sure about mm-hmm. Chud. Okay. All right. Galactica. India mm. Paleo. Mm. Clown Shoes Brewery, mm. Massachusetts. I like it a lot. I uh, I really like that the sort of, like you said, dank, and like they said, dank, doesn't necessarily fully translate into the beer. Uh, and, and it gives you a, a a slightly more subtle, but definitely more, um, I don't know, flavor, flavorful is not even, not even the right word either, but a more bright flavor from the beer itself. So you get an interesting aroma from interesting aroma there, but you also get this really kind of bright flavor to sort of balance out the aroma stuff. Mm-hmm. And remember aroma is a lot of a component to beer, so it, it it adjusts with it. So there's a nice sort of sweetness to go with the dankness. It works really well. Okay, let's roll the dice. One through twenty, we get the last beer. Thirteen. <laughs> so the, the the rule is one through twenty you get that beer and mm-hmm. you got it with got thirteen. It. Yep. This is the Odemsey's Your Black Hearts Russian Imperial Stout, which is made by Thomas Creek, the first beer that we had tonight. I didn't realize that. I didn't until I read the label a little bit ago. I'm like, who makes this? Where is it from? And yeah, Thomas, Thomas Creek Brewery, Greenfield, South Carolina. So 8% on this Russian Imperial Stout. And I don't really have any other information on it because... Well, we'll have to read the uh, the label here. Another it's, big it's Thomas dark. Creek. Why don't you check out the Thomas Creek website? See if they have anything about it. I did. No, you no. did. Uh, nothing. Okay, beer to die for. Okay, got that. And uh, they tell you about the Russian Imperial Stealth, brewed in England in the 18th century. Blah 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 blah. Telling you what you're supposed to taste. Um, blah, blah, blah. Balance. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Pairs well with strong cheeses, dark chocolates, and fine cigars. We have none of those. Truly, truly a luxury. As now, it has Ace of Spades on the cover. So, but, but Ace of Spades with like a girl with a, with a, um, what should we call it? What what is that called? A veil, but on the back. A veil and a crown and large uh, bustier and ro- uh, 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 that's not a rose. That's a uh, yeah, that kind of flower. What you call that flower? Almost like a kind of like a, a, a deformed tulip. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more accurately, uh, hibiscus yeah, or something. I don't know what kind of flower that is. All right. That's enough marketing speak, labeling speak. Beer is blackity black. Again, no highlights. 
no, 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 no highlights at all. Aroma has this smoky, toasty aroma that I dig right up front. Kind of like a candy bar? I was smelling something a little more... Like a chocolate-covered payday. <laughs> it's weird. See, I'm not getting anything cocoa or sweet. I'm getting this pretty sharp, roast, burnt, char-type aroma. Now I am. T- yeah, that's weird. So we're doing the twist on the glass with a slightly tilted, which gives you more surface area to smell from. Yeah, that's a, that's a new... Uh, Adaptation we've been doing here at Craft Beer Radio. Before it was just a little swirly, swirly, swirl, which coats the glass and works out carbonation. But you know, we learned this trick in the in St. Louis. You kind of tilt the glass and give it this twirl, so you just coat the sides of the glass, and it increases the surface area of white glass, giving you tons more aroma. And at the advantage of not giving up all that carbonation. A little licorice, you know, no, typical, all typical things, but you know, I'm getting a little bit of that, that licorice, black licorice type aroma now. Toffee coconut. Not the coconut yet. I'm not picking that up. Well, I'm picking up something that reminds me of a Mars bar. Is that the one that has coconut in it? Almond Joy. Mounds. Almond Joy has. I don't think it has Mars. almonds. Well, Mounds, mounds, is, mounds is the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you feel like a nut. <laughs> yeah, it smells like a chocolate coconut to me with slightly more astringency. I'll just, give you coconut yeah. once I taste it, actually. When I get into the flavor, there's I'm a... It's the same to smell. I, I don't know if yeah, the taste going to be there. From, from, the, from the smell, I, I was not giving you coconut. But from the flavor, I'm giving you coconut. Flavor comes in big, rich coating of your mouth. This mm, yeah. this stouty roast, but then you get this something that's kind of milky, kind of coconutty, more coconutty than milky. But you know they're kind of, kind of, kind of the same. And then oh, the the aftertaste is just you know it just it's a beer to live with. Really, it just yeah. has a great follow through. You get more of the roast. You get a little bit of vaporization of mm-hmm. of the booziness is picking up the the cocoa and the roastiness and just carrying it through your sinuses. It's a good drinker. It's a good drinker. It is. Um, it's weird. We started with the highest alcohol. I think eight percent is the lowest, or or among the lowest. So it, it's interesting. But um, yeah, this is this is a. A nice tasting, a nice drinking imperial. Eight percent is pretty high anyway, so mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's not be for like, oh, where's the lowest? Yeah, set the night of the living style was it's actually at seven. So. Okay, all right, but yeah, I mean, two of these is is really a lot, and you know, you take a session will be three to four percent. You take two of them, and it's equal to one of these. I don't know what I'm getting at, but there there must be something. <laughs> it's a tangent that's just gonna it's, it's gonna it's gonna go off with the ether somewhere. So But oh Dempsey's. Beers at a good temperature. Oh I bought a infrared temperature gun. 
Oh, you did? Yeah, let me go get it so we can yeah. see how what temperature this beer is yeah. at. Oh, I'm going to pause here. All right, so I got the uh, temperature sensor here. Greg uh, got a bad reading, apparently. I'm at 64. You're at 59. That seems well, weird. Let me try again. It's a great. I was going to. Yeah, I'm at 59.6. Weird. Maybe I wrap my hands around it a little bit more. Maybe, yeah. So, uh, this is the. Who makes this? It doesn't matter who makes it. It does make it. It's the newbie. Uh, it's on our Amazon store. Oh, okay. It's less than 20 bucks, I think I paid for it. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, because mine costs like 70. Yeah. Maybe it was a little, it was less than 30 bucks for sure. Um, it's on the Amazon store on our website. It's the infrared thermometer from Newbie and uh, has a little laser and you can do Celsius and Fahrenheit. Yeah, the laser is necessary because you're not quite sure where you're pointing it without it. They make it a more expensive one that has two lasers. They kind of cross each other, so it shows you the diameter oh, of the that's sample nice. range. That's a nice one, yeah. So if you want to pay a little bit more, you can get that one, so you can see the diameter, so you can make sure you're not shooting outside the right, yeah. glass or anything like that. But that's close enough that I think it's not going to you know, not gonna cause much of an issue. So my beer warmed up a little bit. I'm at 60.3. All right. Wait, yours is warmer. Yeah. We're too drunk to figure out the math. You, you, you were 50, and it might not You warmed yours all the way up to 70. Stop Mine's warming up your beer. What the... You've warmed your beer up too much, man. Yeah. 66. So this will be a new tool on Craft Beer Radio. Yes. And you can get yours, too, at our Amazon store, which is on craftbeerradio.com. So what, what I'm liking about this is there's a lot of cocoa that's coming through at the, at the mm-hmm. end. This is a good Imperial Stout. I'm enjoying it quite a lot. Yeah. I think it's time to rank. All right. Well, Jeff, you're up. Pretty easy for me tonight. Not to mean that any beers are bad, but there was enough delineation. No, there were, I think there were all good beers Enough tonight. delineation between yeah. the beers, you can easily tell. My favorite beer tonight is this one, your Blackheart, or four Blackheart. The Y in your is kind of shaped like a four. And so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of Cyrillic, so okay. tough stuff is kind of Cyrillic in terms of the okay. stuff. So I think it's your Anyway. Idea. Thomas Creek Brewery, Greenville, South Carolina, Imperial Stout, under the label Odemses for some reason, um, with lots of marketing speak and not much details, but it is a good beer. I love myself a solid Russian Imperial Stout, and this is up there. I'm not it's got a nice creaminess to it, right? It's got yeah. a good mouthfeel, but it's also got good flavor. not willing to say it's the best Russian Imperial Stout I've ever had, but it is plenty Good to be a go-to Russian Imperial style. Sure. Excuse me. Number two is going to be the Clownshoes Galactica. Good double IPA. little dank on the aroma, but the flavor did such a good job of not making it too stressful. Not making it too uh, hard. You know, it wasn't too... I'm missing a word in my vocabulary here all of a sudden. It wasn't too complicated, right? It wasn't... It, it came together in the flavor... Yeah. And it was very drinkable and enjoyable. Number three is going to be the other Thomas Creek, the Up the Creek Extreme IPA. I didn't love it. It reminded me a lot of 120. It, w- it was fairly drinkable. And then the uh, Night of the Living Stout, super hoppy stout. That's what killed it for me. It was just a little too hoppy uh, to really be to feel put together it just didn't work for me though we talked earlier about how that 
the hops seem to kind of act as a solvent to really dig in the astringency of the yes. stout and yeah. things like that. And it just didn't seem greatly put together. I think I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I, pretty much, I agree with you on, on all formats. So number four, like none of the stout, like Jeff said, that the hoppiness was a little weird compared to the, the maltiness. It gave this weird kind of astringency note that... Um, I'm not saying it was bad, but it was, you know, compared to the number one beer, your Black Heart, there's a big difference in, in terms of the enjoyability of the flavors that were coming through. So, Night Living Stout is my last beer up the creek, then would be my second to last beer, because it was better than Night Living Stout, but it wasn't as good as the other two. It was those big, hoppy, and malty barley wine that called itself an IPA. As far as I'm concerned, that's a barley wine. <laughs> that's not an IPA. I hear you. I can hear you there. I mean, okay, so I want to explore that just a little bit. Sure. Right? I, I So they called it an extreme IPA. It did have a little more hoppiness than what I'm accustomed to in a West Coast American I, or barley wine. You know, it was a little outside the range, I would think. A little, a little but, bit. you know, you're, yeah. you're talking about variances of scale that are so small. Mm-hmm. That, okay. Eh. Yeah. I, mean, I just wanted to mention it, but yeah, go ahead. I mean, if, 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 if you know, if I were to call this anything, it'd be a barley wine. And so I'm, I'm just going to stick with it. If I was drinking it blind, wine. I would think, oh, it's a crazy hoppy barley wine. Yeah, yeah. Number two, Galactica. Uh, the aroma and the flavor are different, but the the flavor especially was really delicious and very drinkable. Uh, the aroma gave us sort of a like like we said and like they say on the label dankness, uh, which you know is not necessarily completely describable, but it's slightly more sulfury than you than you definitely encountered in the flavor, which is very good. But I think that your black heart really you know contributed everything to it. G- g- gave the best performance of the night and so I'm going to go with your black heart for number one sounds good uh, that's it for Craft Beer Radio episode 266 thank you so much for listening we really do appreciate it we'll be getting those GABF episodes out as uh, as soon as we can and um, go to amazon.com or no, no don't go to Amazon. why do I keep saying that tonight go to craftbeerradio.com slash amazon What's this? What's this? <laughs> Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. You can contact us, beer at craftbeerradio.com, and on Twitter, I am Jeff, Jeff Bear at Craft. I am Jeff Bear on Twitter. Are you? I am. I am CBR, at CBR Greg. We are on Facebook and Google+, Plus, but really, if you aren't on the Twitter, we're probably not going to notice nearly as quickly as, as the other ones. Mm. What are we listening to here? It's Kanye West Power. I have no idea what that is. This is this is one of his big hits. This was the huge one. Okay. I mean, I know who Kanye West is, but I don't know any of his songs other than he did a marching band thing on a VMA thing. I, I don't know. Well, see, you gotta you gotta get yourself into the whole stuff that's going on. Yeah. So Jeff I, is Jeff is very very suburban. I mean, parental. Well, that too, but like you know, you said, oh, you, you've been you've been doing all this stuff with work. You're not even paying attention to pop culture or even like political culture. So, I mean, you have to get yourself a little bit out of the shelter. Now, the beer show is helping, right? But you know, maybe maybe I'm your conduit. Maybe maybe you can show me what all the hip young kids are doing these days. <laughs> yes, my 37 year old self is going to do exactly that. 
Thanks, everyone, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. We really do appreciate it. We'll see you again next time.